If you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. If you like your private health insurance plan, you can keep your plan, period. If you are among the hundreds of millions of Americans who already have health insurance through your job, or Medicare, or Medicaid, or the VA, nothing in this plan will require you or your employer to change the coverage of the doctor you have. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Find out what is in it. This is America's Healthcare Challenge on News Talk 1290, News Talk 1290KOIL.com, and the News Talk 1290 mobile app. America's Healthcare Challenge is produced and sponsored by E.D. Bellis. Now, here's your host, Sean McGuire. Welcome to America's Healthcare Challenge, live from the American Heartland, checking in on the latest news, trends, Interesting things that we're finding every week on the healthcare industry, the insurance industry, uh, what's happening with information technology, all of these things are on a crash course uh, together, and we are here monitoring them every week. Sean McGuire here. Thank you so much for your time. 402-342-1290 is the phone number. However, we ask you to, to hold those calls until later in the program because... We have got a ton of fantastic content lined up for you this week. Our special guest of the week is someone that I had the opportunity to uh, visit with earlier this week and had a had a great a great conversation already, and I am very excited to share that with you. Uh, Promote John, CEO of Vivio Health, will be joining us very shortly. Uh, this gentleman has been a thought leader in the industry from California, uh, involved in many, many things that are exciting in uh, the world of Silicon Valley, which is one of my favorite shows, by the way, on HBO. But they're saying that Silicon Valley uh, is um, really getting involved in healthcare. Apple has gotten very involved recently. We've had other things happening. And it's going to be a fantastic conversation you're not going to want to miss. Joined, as always, with Alan Hager on the program. Alan, how you doing today? Doing great. Thanks for having me on again. Look like you caught some uh, some stories that are very, very important. We will be sharing those with the audience here later in the program. Yes, yes, totally. Yeah. Yep. You're not going to want to miss that. You're not going to want to miss it. <laughs> and also, uh, welcoming back into the hot seat, Trent Majors on the program. Trent, how you doing? Fresh back from California, I might say. How were things out in that week. state? It was beautiful. I loved it. They've got some interesting things going on uh, with their state from a legislative front, trying to uh, get some uh, some things happening on, co- on coverage-wise uh, on their exchange. We've talked about that, and uh, we'll probably explore a little bit of that May- be interested to hear some of your commentary on that. All right, guys, let's set up uh, this interview. We're going to bring him in next segment. But, Trent, why don't you tell the audience a little bit more about Promode? Uh, you were uh, responsible for, for bringing him uh, here to the audience, and uh, he's got a really exciting background, and it goes with a lot of the trends uh, that we've been talking about on the show, Alan, as well, which is all of these things uh, related with uh, skyrocketing healthcare prices and in particular drugs, and that's really in his wheelhouse, isn't it? It is, and I heard Promote speak uh, three or four months ago and was just blown away by his knowledge and understanding uh, of the healthcare system, um, but specifically of the costs associated with it and how those costs come to be. Um, so it's going to be a great interview. Uh, he's just got a, a really incredible amount of knowledge on uh, why the costs uh, 
get flooded into the healthcare system. So really excited about that. Um, he's founded a couple of companies in, uh, in Silicon Valley um, and really looking to upend uh, the health uh, market to make it better for consumers. Right. And that's exactly what needs to happen. That's something that goes right into the theme of this program, helping audience and, and those out there really just get a better understanding of what's going on because there's just such a massive, massive um, learning curve uh, as it relates to healthcare. And, and I know that he's going to do a great job of really breaking it down and explaining it. And some of the examples uh, I've seen from his talk, for example, uh, were, were really fantastic. And I'm sure he'll be talking about those as well. Alan, uh, what has been um, on your radar here um, quickly uh, before we get this this conversation going, but we're going to be speaking about these drugs. Um, do you have any thoughts on that subject? And then also, um, you know, what's up with this uh, CMS rule that just came out? So uh, there's a lot of go things going on in healthcare, and as you discussed earlier, pharmaceuticals is where it's at. I mean, we've been talking and harping about that for since since the inception Years, almost, of the show. Yeah, since the inception of the show, and it's getting out of control, and there's nothing that seems to be able to bring that in line, and that's why I'm really excited about this interview because pharmaceuticals is uh, in our special guest wheelhouse, and so that's going to be really a, a, a dynamic interview to really get down to the nuts and bolts of, of what is going on in healthcare as far as costs are concerned and how we can contain those costs. Right, right, right. Exactly. So let's take a time out here and we will uh, get things going here on America's Healthcare Challenge. 402-342-1290. 402-342-1290. Online at facebook.com slash America's Healthcare Challenge. And we will be right back. Now that you've heard of Sean McGuire and HealthReformExplained.com, maybe it's time for his team to assess your company's situation. We have innovative strategies to help navigate this new maze created by the Affordable Care Act. For more, go to HealthReformExplained.com. Are you feeling overwhelmed, depressed, or angry? Is your child or teenager acting out? Healing Tree Counseling wants to help. Located at 10th and Dodge, Healing Tree offers individual, family, and couples therapy. Bill and Laura are exceptional at working with children and adolescents. Ask around. They have a great reputation. Healing Tree accepts most insurance companies. They offer flexible payment plans and are confidential. Their personalized service and unique office sets them apart from larger agencies. Visit HealingTreeOmaha.com for more information. Welcome back to America's Healthcare Challenge. 402-342-1290 is the number. You're not going to want to miss uh, uh, the uh, conversation that we've got coming up right now here on America's Healthcare Challenge. Uh, we're going to be joined by Promote John here on the program. Promote is the CEO of Vivio Health, which is right in line with uh, the, the themes and the thoughts and the, the important things we've been talking about here on the program. 
especially as it relates to healthcare costs. Healthcare costs are one of the main uh, or the three pillars of, of the uh, health policy stool, if you will. Number one is access. How do we access healthcare at uh, the appropriate times at the uh, most cost-effective means and at the places that have the best quality, which is the second pillar of health policy, if you will. And then finally, what is the cost? The cost is the, the, final, the final pillar, and how do we uh, make a, a triple aim, if you will? That is the industry um, word and standard and thing that they are putting out there. Uh, how do you make them all happen all together? And I think it all begins with education, guys. Education is, is number uh, one uh, for not only, um, unfortunately, the providers that have to go through all of these different uh, changes, which has a, created a massive learning curve, but also for consumers. As we've seen higher health care uh, deductibles go up, for example, uh, exceeding the savings of, of many Americans, um, more and more people are, are needing to be cost conscious and aware uh, of some of these things, and that is uh, what we've got coming up here on the program. So uh, any other thoughts before we uh, get him introduced here on the program? Well, uh, real quick, uh, on this CMS uh, and the ACO benchmarking rule, um, you know how CMS a couple weeks ago released the macro rule and all of that good stuff? Well, there's some discussion now going on about macro and how uh, it would force physicians to quit the whole ACO enterprise and ACOs are accountable care organizations and this article here goes in depth on you know how the a whole ACO process really hasn't been what the federal government thought it was going to be and it's actually led to some major issues with physicians leaving the marketplace and more things of that. Do you think that trend is going to continue? Oh, absolutely. I mean, everything that we've seen in all our research and whatnot shows that it's going to go down that path. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so then the other thing, the last thing before our interview, uh, Brigham Brigham and Women's Children's Hospital there in Boston, the nurses are going to be looking at going on a one-day strike uh, earlier this week or later this week. Over what? Uh, you know, healthcare insurance, they uh, are saying that they're shorting hours on nurses that are overnight. They're not having enough staff uh, on the overnight shifts. And they recently admitted to doctoring the schedule up so that it wouldn't have nurses. Uh, they would they would be shorting uh, staff during the daytime. All so right. more to come on that. All right, Alan, thank you very much for that reporting. Uh, joined here on America's Healthcare Challenge, uh, our next guest is uh, Pramod John, CEO of Vivio Health. Pramod is a, a thought leader in uh, the industry. We had the opportunity to visit earlier this week, and it was a, a fantastic conversation. We're really excited to, to share that uh, this content with you. And so, Pramod, welcome to America's Healthcare Challenge. How are you doing? And we've also got TJ Tedesco on the phone as well. TJ will be uh, providing some of his analysis as well as we cover uh, something that is really, really important to the audience, something we've covered here uh, many times before for the last several years, and that is uh, the issue of drug costs. And so, Promote, could you please tell the audience a little bit about your background and uh, your organization, and then we will dive into some of these issues. Hey, thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much for having us on the show, and uh, we really appreciate what uh, you guys are doing to sort of spread the word about what we can do about healthcare costs. 
my, uh, you know, uh, background of the company was uh, Vivio Health was just formed uh, this earlier this year. And uh, the reason it was formed was primarily because of, uh, you know, there have been report after report talking about the fact that specialty drug costs are the fastest rising driver of health care costs in the country today. And uh, over the last few years, it's grown from being something that was relatively innocuous, you know, uh, on our radar to the expect last year, you know, on, on drug spending, it grew from about 10 or 15 percent of our drug spend to about 38 percent on average, and the expectation is by 2018 it'll be over 50% on average of our drug spend. And so as we talk to a lot of folks around America, you know, employers, plans, and other folks, we're finding that this is one of the biggest concerns that they have because of this just rapid growth and also a feeling of there's really nothing we can do about it, and, I, and they don't know what to do about it. And that was why we formed the company, because we have some very interesting ideas and, and programs to help curb the cost, both in the short term and in the long term. My own background is uh, I'm from the high-tech space. I've done a few startups in the uh, high-tech space. My first startup was, uh, was, is now owned by Dell, and my second startup that I started was, is, is, uh, was purchased by VMware. And I switched gears because I felt that healthcare was our biggest national social problem affecting our economy. And uh, with, when we spend 18% of our GDP on healthcare, that really means that we can't spend dollars on other things that are important to our economy. And frankly, I've got three kids. And I think of not only my three kids, but everybody else out there's kids and children. What are, what's the legacy we're leaving for the next generation of children? And so that's how I ended up getting into the healthcare space. I was at McKesson, you know, which is the largest uh, healthcare company in the world, now Fortune 5. And uh, a lot of this research around the economics of, of the healthcare industry and why it was broken came from the work that was done there. And that's what led to both my previous startup in this space that was looking at curbing the cost of drugs, but focused on the consumer end of the equation. And this new company, which is really focused on the area, on the back end, if you will, on the supply side of, of uh, how these things are purchased, these very expensive drugs and why they cost so much. Hey, Promote, can you, uh, just for the edification of our audience a little bit, give a little background on specialty drugs in general, kind of kind of what they are and, and, and how they came about and, and what the benefit is? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So specialty drugs, typically, I mean, it's, it's a really good question. Well, what is a specialty drug? And, and the answer to that is that there isn't a strict definition of what a specialty drug is. Usually they're classified by high-cost therapies. You know, imagine that you're a person who's got, you know, on a cholesterol-lowering medication. If you're on a generic cholesterol-lowering medication, that's probably $10 a month or $20 a month is what the actual cost of, say, a torvastatin is. And if you're on, on Crestor, for example, that could be $300 a month. If, on the, on, if you were to look at specialty drugs, most of the specialty drugs tend to be in the 1,000-plus on the very, very, very low-end dollars per month, if you want to think about it that way. And it ranges all the way up from there to, say, the Harvonis and those types of things, which could be a, you know, just south of $100,000 for a 12-week course, or you could be a hemophiliac and you're on some blood factor, and, and, and literally it could be a million dollars a year that they're paying, you know, that, you're, that your plan or your employer is paying on your behalf to acquire those drugs. But the one important thing is to realize is that a lot of folks take things like atorvastatin. They're very commonly used, or, or, or antibiotics. A very high percentage of the population uses those kinds of common drugs. Specialty drugs 
usually are in the 1% to 3%. So that means that, that it's a very small percent. Of one, you know, like 3 out of 100 people typically are the ones who are buying these high-cost drugs, whereas it could range from, from 70 to 80 out of 100 people who would be using sort of a non-specialty common drugs that we take every day. And those three people would contribute to what percentage of, of the cost, for example, that we're on that You know, it's, it's, it's a very interesting thing. You know, drugs in, in healthcare, a lot of studies have been conducted about whether it's hospitalization costs, whether it's drug costs. Pareto distributions, if you remember that from, uh, you know, college or, or high school math, fit very well the distributions of most healthcare costs. So what you find is about... 10% of the population is roughly 50% of the spend. And when you get into the 1% to 2%, you find that it's typically closer to about, uh, about 90 plus percent of the spend. And so that small percentage of the population usually concentrates in the 80-ish in the, in the percent, uh, if you will, of the spend of the total dollars available. So when you think about that, it's exactly the opposite. For the majority of people who put money into a plan or who put money into in paying taxes, they actually pull very few dollars out of the system. It's a very small number of people who um, who are the ones who typically um, benefit, if you will, from most of the dollars. And and the, and the specialty drugs, from a script volume perspective, are right in that range of you know a couple of percent of, of all scripts. And to put that into perspective, about two months ago, IMS came out that today in America, that 90% of all scripts filled are generic drugs. And generic drugs are the low cost on the other end of the spectrum, like the, you know, like the Zithromax type drugs or the atorvastatins and those types of things. That means that nine out of 10 fills in America are for those kinds of low cost drugs. And only one out of 10 bills are for the higher cost drugs. And out of that, about a two out of 100, I'm sorry, two out of 100 are for specialty drugs. Hmm. How, do these, how do these costs compare uh, globally? So in the United States, uh, Europe, uh, Asia, et cetera? You know, really good question. There have been a lot of reports, and I'm sure that all of us have read, you know, report after report talking about this issue of global comparisons of healthcare costs. And whether it's the, you know, take a simple example of Harvoni, which has been in the news a lot, uh, you know, for Hep C. And when you look at the pricing in the U.S., when the pricing was uh, originally set, it was just south of $100,000. And the basis for setting that really was the comparison of what a liver transplant would cost. And a liver plant transplant is about $250,000, and therefore the pricing was set at, well, it's cheaper than a liver transplant. So $100,000 seems like a bargain. Now, in other countries around the world, Harvoni is significantly less expensive. Even when you look at developed countries like uh, Europe, for example, uh, in the developed countries, which, you know, on average are doing much better than the average you know, person in the United States. And several times, the standard of living is significantly higher than the average person in the United States. But drug prices are significantly lower. Just they're, they're almost half of what it is in the United States. And then when you get into the countries that are developing countries, you find that the costs are, you know, in India, roughly $1,000 for a 12-week course versus a 100000 in the United States. And so there's a wide range of how these drugs are priced. And 
Jeff Kindler, the former CEO of Pfizer, put it best because he was asked the question of, hey, why do drug prices vary and why are drug prices so much more expensive in the U.S.? Is it because Americans pay for drugs, all of the drug research? And he said, no, that's not it at all. Actually, it's a pretty simple fact. And the pretty simple fact is that the United States is the only unregulated market in the world. And as a result, there are no regulations on how prices are set. And as a result, since everybody else does that, we pay the highest prices in the world. Now, why that's a really interesting issue is that if you step back for a second and ask, well, let's look at global health care costs in general, not just drug costs, but in general. And there have been study after study after study comparing like the OECD countries and developing countries. And in all of those cases, you know, the things that they pointed out is the U.S. spends per capita about 2x more than the closest countries behind it. And on average, those are the OECD countries in, in Europe. We spend about 2x more. We spend about 7 to 10x more than developing countries like India or China on a per capita basis. Uh, and so a really – No, go ahead, John. Yeah, ahead. A, a really interesting data point there is that when you look at uh, – so we talk about that all the time, but there's something that we don't talk about. And we think Americans are asking the wrong question, which is, hey, how do drug prices vary? The question that we should be asking is, how come everything else in all of these countries is significantly more expensive than the United States? To the same countries that you go to that healthcare is such a bargain, go to Europe. Anything that you buy is going to be at least two to three times more expensive than the U.S. Like auto, fuel, food, luxury goods, it doesn't matter. The French come to New York to buy French manufactured goods because they're significantly less expensive than the U.S. And then you do the same thing. You go to India, China, and all these places that are developing uh, countries, and you'll find the same thing. Anything that's sold in the international market is at least two to three times more expensive. So what's the conundrum that every American should be asking that should be, you know, they should be scratching their heads about is that how come Americans pay the lowest prices in the world for every category except health care in which we blow every country in the world away? Uh, that is a huge disparity. We're on America's Healthcare Challenge with Promote John, CEO of Vivio Health. And, John, this is Alan Hager, so welcome to the show today. We're glad to have you on. Uh, my question is exactly where we're going with that, where you were going with uh, global competition and global uh, prices versus what we pay for health care in the United States. Um, when it comes to some of these things, we always hear that regulation, research, development, plays a major role in those costs. Uh, could you speak to that uh, piece as well? Because it seems that, that every time I hear the news or I do my own research and listen, that's always one of the first things that somebody says is, well, we pay the most because we do all the research for all these drugs. That's a, that's a really good question. So, you know, what my area of interest is in data and facts. Around And so one of the, you know, or several years ago, we asked the question of, well, that's a really interesting claim that we hear all the time. And how would we know whether that claim is true or false? So we picked a very simple way of figuring out the answer to that question, which was, well, why don't we go back and analyze the 10Ks of all of the large drug companies in the United States and look at how much money they spend on R&D? 
because there has to be some correlation, because if the claim is being made that uh, we're spending all that money, it should show up on the books, right, on the 10Ks of all the public right. drug companies. When you look at the drug companies, you'll find an interesting conundrum, which is that on average, they spend two times more on sales and marketing as they do on R&D. And so just from the facts of looking at their or looking at their financials, it's impossible to come up with a conclusion that the real issue, that the real thing that Americans are paying for is R&D. It's way more likely based on, if you were to look at the 10Ks, that we're actually subsidizing sales and marketing costs for the global drug industry. Yeah, but how, how would American, I know um, all the side effects of all those drugs if they didn't spend, have those long commercials? <laughs> well, you know, again, it, it's an interesting you know, it's an interesting issue. It's a really interesting issue that, for example, all of those drugs tell you about the side effects, right? Because they're, re they're required to report them by the FDA, and that was part of one of the requirements of when direct-to-consumer advertising was allowed. But have you ever asked yourself why they're not required to provide data on a more important question of, well, how well does this drug work, and who does it actually work for? Take Harvoni. Harvoni is actually a relatively good drug, and it only it works in eight out of ten people. But that means that it doesn't work in two out of ten people, and we're paying for a therapy that doesn't work for those two out of ten. And imagine paying a hundred thousand dollars a pop on a therapy that doesn't work for twenty percent of the population that you're giving it to. Now extrapolate that a start further and understand that you know for the common, very expensive specialty drugs for RA, for MS, and all of those things. Each one of these drugs individually have effectiveness rates of probably in the 50 to 60 percent range, and even those are to limited populations. Have you ever asked yourself why drug companies don't release data on who it actually works for? Good point. Good point. Hey, we're uh, up against a timeout here. Uh, promote. Do you mind hanging around for another segment? We want to uh, get a little bit deeper into this conversation, and then I want to learn a little bit more about what you guys are up to at your organization. Sound good? Sounds good. Thank All you. All right. Fantastic. This is America's Healthcare Challenge. 402-342-1290 or 1-800-577-1290 is the phone number if you'd like to join the conversation. Uh, when we come back, more with Promote John on uh, solving the, the issue of cost in drugs, the uh, major problem that is affecting all of us. Uh, more about specialty drugs and what they're doing to help and your thoughts as well with Alan Hager, Trent Majors and Matt Barrows. I am Sean McGuire. Back right after this. Are you a business owner seeing your bottom line squeezed by rising health care costs? I'm Sean McGuire, and I founded E.D. Bellis Healthcare Consulting to provide health reform consulting so that your business does not get caught off with all the uncertainty in Washington. I was there on Capitol Hill when the Affordable Care Act, otherwise known as Obamacare, was created, and I have read the entire bill. Let me guide you through the maze of the American bureaucracy as you adapt to changing government rules and regulations that will impact your organization regardless of size. I offer custom services, including cost reduction strategies, training seminars for you and your employees, and strategic planning to help you prepare for the future. Regardless of what the Supreme Court decides, this issue is here to stay. Contact me today for a free consultation at www.healthreformexplained.com. That's www.healthreformexplained.com. At E.D. Ballas, we know healthcare.
Research shows moving is one of the most stressful events in a person's life. But thanks to two men in a truck, it doesn't have to be. They have everything you need to move. A courteous professional staff who will customize your move, which includes a no-obligation estimate, a schedule to fit your convenience, and all the necessary packing supplies. And two men in a truck will help you watch your budget, too. Don't stress. Let two men in a truck handle your home or business move. Go to twomeninatruck.com. Two men in a truck selected Best of Omaha for nine years straight with an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. They say every business should have an elevator pitch. Here's ours. We are E.D. Bellis, a consulting company specializing in healthcare reform, helping businesses navigate the new law. For more, go to healthreformexplained.com. You are listening to America's Healthcare Challenge with Sean McGuire. Join the conversation at 402-342-1290 or at 800-577-1290. Once again, direct from the American heartland, here's your host, Sean McGuire. Welcome back to America's Healthcare Challenge. Hey, check out the show's Facebook page for this interview and others from our library of over 500 segments of all kinds of healthcare-related news and information on our SoundCloud page and at facebook.com slash America's Healthcare Challenge. We're joined once again uh, by our guest co-host, uh, CEO of Vivio Health, Promote John, along with Alan Hager and Trent Majors, talking about all of these issues related to uh, to drugs, um, and in particular the cost of, of these drugs, how the United States compares uh, both uh, locally and uh, how do we compare to other nations across the world. And, you know, when I was doing a little bit of uh, research for this interview, Promote, I checked out uh, your guys' website, and I, I was just really intrigued and interested uh, by the things that you're doing. Uh, do you mind sharing uh, with the audience a little bit more about, about your mission uh, both uh, at Vivio and then in your previous work and uh, help uh, help them understand that, you know, education, I think, is the number one thing that people really need to, to have in order for us to, to really uh, fix this problem. Yeah, but, I on think to- but on top of that also, what people are actually doing. Right. So what people are actually doing to, to, yeah. to bring down the cost, to make it better. I mean, our live, we are living longer, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, right. These drugs are working right, in a lot of cases. So um, I think what Promote's doing, uh, you know, really uh, attempts to do that. So, uh, could you talk us a little, talk to us a little bit about that, sir? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, our, we were formed uh, because, again, we we believe that uh, you know these costs are in some way. You know, you brought up the issue of Americans living longer, but we want to make sure that when we live longer, we have a great quality of life uh, for all of us, for our children's generation, because. Uh, in the long run, uh, you know, spending 18% of our GDP on health care isn't a good thing for us. And we want to spend dollars where dollars matter. And if dollars don't matter, and it's just adding people's pockets along the way, well, that's not a good use of our money. And you're absolutely right. You brought up the point of, hey, do we want to do research that extends our lives and makes our quality of life better? Of course we do. Absolutely. We want to spend dollars in those areas that actually matter versus where it doesn't matter and adds no value whatsoever. And so... Our mission is really doing something about changing the way the healthcare system works. And so my last effort, our last effort and this effort, one of the key things about it is we're not just trying to lower the cost of drugs in the short term. We're trying to change the underlying system itself because the problem, you know, going back to that uh, comparison of why we pay the highest prices in the world versus other, other countries, we came to the conclusion that it was a competitive issue and it was a business issue. So 
we're actually not arguing about the bugs themselves and which ones are good, which ones help. We, want, we, we love these things, right, because that's, that's, that's what we're trying to do, improve the quality of life for everybody. But at the same point in time, we also believe that a competitive market, an open market, a market in which people understand what they're buying, why they're buying it, is it the best price? All of those things also are very, very important, and that's why we pay the lowest prices in the world for everything else, because we've cracked that code in those areas. And at Vivio Health, what we've really done is we've cracked the supply-side code on the other side of the equation, if you will, on the drug and pharmaceutical industry, because we're from this industry. We understand exactly how the industry is constructed and why it's constructed in the way that it is and why these systems you know, works the way that it does. It is a large, non-competitive system, and in many ways, it looks like travel looked, you know, 25 years ago. If I have three kids, and if you were to ask them what a travel agent is, they have no idea what that is. But 25 years ago, all of us would have been walking around with, we could never have conceived of the fact that we could buy our own airline tickets online on our phones or whatever we wanted to do, and no one would even know what a travel agent is anymore. And imagine that what Video Health is doing is trying to get rid of the travel agents in the healthcare industry who basically are driving up the cost of, uh, of healthcare unnecessarily. And so we, we do very simple things. We do the simple things that all of us would ask, you know, simple questions like, hey, am I getting this at the best price? Right? Very obvious questions. Um, you know, simple questions like, um, does this actually work? Are there better things that work? Right? Is this a, you know, what's the outcome? What am I paying for? And, you know, at some point, um, these are all the questions that we would ask. And, and, and everybody, you know, one of the things that we found in healthcare is that we all make the assumption, and we make assumptions in general, but we make the assumption that whatever our physician tells us, whatever the healthcare system tells us, whatever our insurer tells us, they are working on our behalf. I'm from the healthcare industry. And I can tell you there are three trillion reasons why the healthcare industry is not out there for your individual best interests or ours collectively. It is the single largest vertical industry in the world, which is larger than the GDP of France, which is number five on GDP. And so one of the things that we discovered, like every other industry, is that the people who pay are the only people who care about what they're paying for. The people who receive money on the other end, as much as as much as we would like to believe that everyone there is there to serve our best interests, that's not true. And so we've created a platform and software which basically, in some ways, think about it just like we've used technology in the past to get rid of things like travel agents. We're doing the same thing for specialty drugs for large employers and plans. Wow, that's really fantastic. And, you know, I work with a lot of municipalities um, and larger organizations, especially those that self-insure in this um this issue of specialty drugs is the number one pain point right now that I'm hearing from everybody all over the country. They're having, uh, I was at uh, an annual convention, they had a special breakout session specifically on these uh, issues. Uh, could you talk a little bit more about how, how you guys help employers uh, with this? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, one of the things that we discovered was that we discovered that when you went back and, you know, again, all of us are buying specialty drugs. Right. If you're a large employer, municipality or any of those folks, all of us have, have, have gatekeepers that we put in place, right? Either the medical carriers or the pharmacy benefit managers that we are assuming are managing this for us. 
And as we've pulled data, going back to some large employers and large plans to pull data on, well, how well are the folks who are doing this actually managing this for us? What we've discovered is, in general, it's completely unmanaged. And the things that we think that apparently the people are doing for us, they're actually not doing for us. They're not asking the question, and they're not following up on the, is it the best price? They, uh, and in some ways, if you go back and ask, it's not that they're incompetent. All of these organizations are highly competent organizations. That's not the issue. The issue is actually the incentive structures. And the incentive structures are designed in a way that, for example, these intermediaries get paid every time you buy a drug. These intermediaries get paid more when you buy more expensive drugs. So as a result, the way the system works, these uh, these intermediaries today, they're economically incented to do exactly what they're doing. So our platform reverses all of that, just like Travelocity, just like, you know, Kayak and all of these other systems opened up the markets. We do exactly the same thing for employers by opening up the back end. We don't get paid, for example, on drugs that you buy. We don't get paid more. We have no no sort of agreements with the manufacturers. And so we're sort of a completely neutral third party that only represents the interests of the people who buy, not the people who sell. And so we monitor and we ask the questions that nobody's asking today, which are, hey, can I get this for a better price? Um, who does this work for? Why am I, you know, I don't want to pay for a drug that doesn't actually work very well for the patient, right? Just because I've struck a deal with a pharmaceutical manufacturing company. So those are the ways in which what we're doing is very different. So in some ways, we could argue, hey, there's no rocket science here, right? And it's true. There isn't a lot of rocket science. We're asking basic questions and collecting basic data that people either should be collecting and they're not, or they have an economic interest in not collecting. And we're using that to benefit the employers and to benefit the employees, you know, and the, and the consumers who take these drugs. How is it useful to you if you're, if you're in the one out of, you know, two people who potentially the bad drug doesn't work for, all of these drugs have large amounts of side effects and other things. And so you, you want to make sure that if you're going to go through that, that you're on the most effective drug, right, for you versus one that's going to give you large amounts of side effects and it doesn't actually even work for you, right? right. And so our focus is on how do we help both sides by using data and analytics and making the process better for both parties. And, and we only represent the people who pay. We have no agreements with the manufacturers or suppliers downstream. I think that's fantastic. I think that's well needed, so I commend you on that. Um, One quick follow-up before I turn it over to these guys who are foaming at the mouth to ask you a couple more questions. I think you provoked a couple of things. Um, What is the the biggest, um, I guess, difference in price have you found for a certain drug in your work? You know, it's it's really interesting. We find that... uh, Part of, part of why these drug prices vary is also there's a lot of, um, quote-unquote, mystery around how things are priced. And that happens to be because what ends up happening is think about, you know, like when you buy a car. A car has an MSRP. And if you remember back in the good old days, there were all sorts of other things that were like kickbacks from the, you know, dealer, you know, from the yeah. manufacturers back to the dealers. So imagine a world in which drugs are sold in the same way. And so what ends up happening isn't that, quote-unquote, the price varies, but the kickbacks vary. So your effective price, nobody knows what you pay. Because, you know, you could be at one employer who pays at list price for one of these drugs, but you get a 20% kickback. Then you're at another employer, and you pay list price, and you get a 30% kickback. And these kickbacks or rebates vary greatly. And if you were to go back and ask, 
Why does the system work that way? It's for a really simple reason. It's that if you're familiar with the public contracts on the Medicare, Medicaid, and for sort of the public contracts that manufacturers have on the public sector, almost all of them have most favored nation status pricing. And so the way that you get around any sort of most favored nation's pricing is by, quote unquote, selling it at a higher price to everyone else. And so in this case, you could find, uh, you know, in, in this case, as a result of that, what ends up occurring is that is that nobody knows what the actual price is, and the government never knows either because it's everything sold at, quote, quote unquote, MSRP. And so we've seen variations even for something like Harvoni for employers who have a good deal, you know, versus a bad deal, ranging in the ten to $20,000 more that they're paying just on one drop, depending on, you know, uh, what your contract looks like. Because, of course, there is no visibility into what the actual price itself is. So I've, I've, I've read, I believe, that uh, some state legislatures are now requiring pharmaceutical companies to justify the cost of a drug uh, before it goes onto the market. Are you familiar with any of, uh, any of those plans and you know, kind of what are some of the benefits and, and then maybe some of the negatives that come along with that? Yeah, I think that, you know, I think that uh, a couple things. One is, in general, there has been a lot of discussion, right, about transparency in this space. And, you know, the, the real issue is that when we're trying to, you know, the question is, how do you solve a problem? And in this case, we're trying to solve a problem by saying, hey, we want complete visibility into the underlying, and therefore we're going to decide how things are priced. I would argue that the reason why we've paid the lowest prices in the world, right, is because in general, we have a very competitive market. And we're the people who are arguing that, no, stop protecting the industry. Uh, they, you know, force them to compete in the same way that everybody else competes in, the, in, in, in America for every other widget that's not a healthcare widget. And in that case, competition will drive the prices down. And at that point, we don't care how, how, the, how the sausage is made. Go ahead and make your sausage. But in a competitive market, the price of sausage will go down. And our argument is that, that you know, a competitive market is a much more efficient way to actually achieve lower prices rather than us trying to control prices. Uh, and, and a lot of the efforts today are less about opening up competition and, and uh, removing the protections that the drug industry and protections and reimbursement that they have to saying, no, it's just going to be a competitive market and we're not going to pay more than any other country will. Right for these drugs. Sorry. So you're. And so I think. Oh, you're listening to America's Healthcare Challenge, and we're list. Uh, we're talking with Promote John, CEO of Vivio Health. Uh, John, uh, Promote, you were talking. You you were you had a thought there. Could you uh, go ahead and and finish it, and then I have a question for you. Yeah, the, the thought there really was that look, if you've got the option of trying to understand all the details of how all these things are made, and then trying to trying to trying to fix or limit those. A much better way of doing it would be to use competition because we think a competitive and open market is the best way to solve this problem. And then we don't have to get into the regulatory pieces of trying to regulate every single piece of it. You know, the government doesn't regulate the price of gasoline. So whether you use a government credit card to buy a gallon of gas or we use our personal credit cards, a gallon of gas costs, costs exactly the same thing. Right. And nobody cares how the gallon of gas is made. Right. And we're saying, let's not worry about the, how the gas is made. Let's just but the market define that and have an open market. Right. And so uh, when you when, you're, when you speak about uh, pricing and cost control, or, you know, costs and whatnot, you know, I think also one of the big drivers of that is, 
you know, your insurance company and you really don't know what the end game is as far as cost is going to be because you the way healthcare is structured it's the only marketplace where there you have no idea what you're paying for or what the end result is going to be and so uh, could you talk a little bit about that and what what are we looking at down the road as far as specialty drug costs or uh, healthcare in general with our cost structures yeah, it's a really good question. I think that, you know, a lot of the public debate, as you point out, we would argue is focusing on the wrong question. And it's focusing on the question of insurance and competition insurance. And if you go back and ask yourself, well, what is insurance? Ultimately, insurance is asking the question of how are we going to collect the funds required to pay for health care? And that's, all, that's the only question it's answering. And often we, uh, you know, we come to the conclusion or think that somehow the insurance companies have an economic interest in minimizing the cost for us. And the answer to that is, if you think about how insurance companies are actually paid, um, insurance companies actually, you know, um, they collect money from all of us, right? And yeah. think about in the fully insured markets, they collect dollars from us, and then they pay those out in claims. And with the Affordable Care Act, we put in a requirement that, hey, Roughly for every dollar that's collected by an insurance company, at least 85 cents on, on the dollar has to be paid out in claims. That means that for your profit, your transaction costs, whatever cost you have as an insurance company, you can keep 15 cents on the dollar. Now, let me go back and ask you a question. If I have a specialty drug and that specialty drug costs $1,000 and you can make 15% of it, how much money does the insurance company have the potential to make? was roughly 150 bucks. Now, what if I could find the same drug for $100? And uh, in that case, what could the insurance company make? Well, roughly they're limited to making $15. So you have a problem in, in a system where now the insurance companies have an economic incentive also that prices are high because the lower prices go, the less money they make. And so you have a system in which it doesn't <laughs> represent the people who put money into the system. It represents the healthcare system, if you will, on the other side. And as a result, as a result, we're arguing about the wrong thing. What we really want to argue about is not how do we collect the funds, which is the insurance question and competition there. It's the how do we make sure we're not overpaying for what we buy? How do we make sure that we're not paying, you know, $100 for a $10 drug? Those are the more important questions that we should be asking. How do we make sure that, you know, Hospital A in Northern California, which charges Two hundred and fifty thousand dollars for a for a uh, you know for a bypass surgery, whereas you could go to Cleveland Clinic, which has significantly better outcomes, and the cost is about less than half of what it costs in Northern California and better care. How do how, why do those regional variations exist? Right, those are the more important questions we should be asking, not the well if you had the two hundred and fifty thousand dollar surgery. How do we pay for it, which is a different question. Mm -hmm. I, I think the last uh, 30 seconds, light bulbs across America uh, uh, turning on ab above people's heads. Um, yes, absolutely. Hey, uh, we got to, uh, we're up against the timeout, but uh, could we have your website where uh, the individuals could find out a little bit more about what you guys are up to? Yeah, so our website is, uh, is uh, viviohealth.com, V-I-V-I-O health.com. 
And uh, anyone who wants to get info, there's a, there's a contact us page and just drop us a line and we'd be happy to chat about uh, how we might be able to help you. Well, we appreciate your time and your thoughts and uh, encourage uh, the listeners to check out that site. Hey, Promote, thanks again. Hope you can come back and join us again at some point. It was great talking to you and uh, learning more about what you guys are up to. Hey, thank you very much. And uh, thank you for your interest in helping to lower the cost of health care for Americans. We appreciate that. All right. Great. Fantastic. Thanks, Promote. Thank you, Promote. There's a reason it's called America's Healthcare Challenge. That's why we're here. And we'll be right back with our final thoughts. Are you a business owner seeing your bottom line squeezed by rising health care costs? I'm Sean McGuire, and I founded E.D. Bellis Healthcare Consulting to provide health reform consulting so that your business does not get caught off with all the uncertainty in Washington. I was there on Capitol Hill when the Affordable Care Act, otherwise known as Obamacare, was created, and I have read the entire bill. Let me guide you through the maze of the American bureaucracy as you adapt to changing government rules and regulations that will impact your organization regardless of size. I offer custom services, including cost reduction strategies, training seminars for you and your employees, and strategic planning to help you prepare for the future. Regardless of what the Supreme Court decides, this issue is here to stay. Contact me today for a free consultation at www.healthreformexplained.com. That's www.healthreformexplained.com. At E.D. Ballas, we know healthcare. E.D. Bellis is a healthcare reform consulting company with valuable information that is up-to-date and easy to understand. We have solutions to manage compliance, minimize penalties and taxes, and all other options. Check out healthreformexplained.com. Research shows moving is one of the most stressful events in a person's life. But thanks to two men in a truck, it doesn't have to be. They have everything you need to move. A courteous professional staff who will customize your move, which includes a no-obligation estimate, a schedule to fit your convenience, and all the necessary packing supplies. And two men in a truck will help you watch your budget, too. Don't stress. Let two men in a truck handle your home or business move. Go to twomeninatruck.com. Two men in a truck selected Best of Omaha for nine years straight with an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. You are listening to America's Healthcare Challenge on News Talk 1290, News Talk 1290KOIL.com, and the News Talk 1290 mobile app. Once again, here's Sean McGuire. Welcome back to America's Healthcare Challenge. We'll have that interview up on our Facebook page at uh, at some point, uh, facebook.com slash America's Healthcare Challenge. Just enough time. For some final thoughts from the roundtable, gentlemen, uh, what did uh, what did you think of that interview, and uh, what are your final thoughts for the week? Uh, I thought the interview was uh, was incredible, very enlightening, uh, a brilliant guy there. I, w- I, w- I want to hit on a couple of notes from some from some news this week, specifically that. Uh, in the state of Alaska, they're going down to only one insurance company on their exchange, and they're going to have to subsidize it with an, an additional $55 million in, in taxes in, in a state with a huge budget deficit already. Um, and in Tennessee, insurers are asking for up to 70% uh, rate increases. I think these are just some examples that show the road of, of what's going to happen with the with the Unaffordable Care Act and, and what that it's going to have to be fixed or it will collapse on its own. And then people are going to lose their doctor, right? Um, so we either increase taxes to pay for it or we scrap it. And, and personally, I'd send it back to the states and let them do whatever they want and let the founders' ideas of 50 different experiments work, and you can also let geographical differences work. It it, it doesn't make sense to me that someone living in Brooklyn is going to have the same needs of someone living in Boise, uh, Boise, Idaho. In fact, I guarantee that they don't. Um, 
But, you know, really the bottom line with that is that the ACA is, is not sustainable in its current form, uh, per Sean McGuire, 2010. I said that. I know I said that. I, I probably know you said did. that. <laughs> I mean, and thanks to promote because that was a that was an incredible uh, an incredible interview. Yes, that that certainly was. And you know, to your point, Trent, uh, the Dartmouth Atlas, uh, which was a study. I don't know if you saw that that compared uh, uh, Medicare pricing data on uh, showing huge regional variations on Medicare patients. For example, a Medicare beneficiary in Florida costing two times as much as the same Medicare beneficiary in Minnesota. And so that goes to your point of the state-driven solutions. Alan, what's up with you? Well, I think that you know when you talk about 18% of GDP being spent in healthcare, well, what does that equate to? You know, it equates to, we spend $9,000 a person in healthcare per year. And if you come down to the organization of economic development, they, on average, those countries spend about $4,000 a year. Imagine what we could do in this country, putting $2 trillion back into the economy, not in healthcare, but elsewhere and i'm not talking just government spending i'm talking about personal spending in that two trillion as well we could really do some great things in this country with that money freed up vacations and luxury goods amen to that i think the american economy works on people having money extra money to spend so if you could somehow reduce that health care cost instead of it's just been every single year it's been it's been an increase and people begin to start to accept that and and at what point uh, do we say that's unacceptable? And, you know, organizations like Vivio Health and others uh, really trying to do that. I, I must commend them. So that is yeah. exciting. And uh, we're going to uh, continue the good fight, continue to uh, keep you informed on all of these things. Because I tell you what, folks, this is not getting any easier. I can tell you that as somebody that is looking at this stuff every single day, reading these regulations, and uh, we're at a major trend, and it's going one direction. And uh, we need to uh, really dig ourselves in and get ourselves educated, and that's why we do this program. Check out, again, healthreformexplained.com, which has my thoughts, and we will see you next week.